0: Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect program. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question-and-answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the program, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. And as a reminder, this program is being recorded. At this time, I would now like to introduce your host for today's program, Dr. Carolyn Lesner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Thank you
1: very much, Mary. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect program. And this is the fifth annual Cancer Survivorship Series, Living With, Through, and Beyond Cancer. And this is part three of our series. And um, and this series is Finding Hope and Meaning After Treatment. And this is the third part of our series um, for this year. And uh, today's program is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care, the National Cancer Institute, the Lance Armstrong Foundation. Intercultural Cancer Council, Living Beyond Breast Cancer, and the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship. And indeed, it is because of that collaborative effort that we have been able to reach so many of you on the call today. And we have on the call today over 2,370 people on this call today, which is a really largest call we've ever done. It's a very large call. And it's a credit to each of you that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. We have many participants from the United States, and you come from large cities and small cities and rural and frontier communities. And we also have a number of international participants from Australia, Brazil, Canada, Hong Kong, Ireland, Kenya, Mexico, Pakistan, Spain, United Kingdom, and the USA, Samoa. So we really have people from all over the world with us today. And I really must say that it is a credit to each of you that you've chosen to join us on this program. Now, today's program is made possible by support from the National Cancer Institute and Liv Strong, the Lance Armstrong Foundation. And um, I would like to introduce my co-moderator for today's program, Dr. Julia Rowland. And Dr. Julia Rowland is actually a great champion of this program as well, and she is Director, Office of Cancer Survivorship, Division of Cancer Control and Population Sciences, the National Cancer Institute. And I want to turn the program over to Julia, who would also like to say some words of welcome to all of you.
2: Thank you, Carolyn, and welcome to our invited speakers and all of the more than 2,300 listeners who have joined us for today's workshop. As Carolyn noted, this is the last of the three workshops in our 2007 Cancer Survivorship Teleconference Series. It's been my privilege to co-host this fifth year of our special teleconference series, focusing on the issues faced by survivors and their loved ones after treatment ends. The National Cancer Institute is pleased to have served as an organizational partner for this program and, along with the Lance Armstrong Foundation, to serve as a co-funder of the Survivorship Teleconference Series. Support for this program at the National Cancer Institute actually represents a unique collaboration across the Office of Cancer Survivorship, the Office of Education and Special Initiatives, and the Cancer Information Service. As many of you on this call already know, the overall goal of the Office of Cancer Survivorship at the NCI is to provide an improved length and quality of survival for all those living with a history of cancer. And one of the ways the Office achieves this mission is by participating in the development of educational materials and outreach programs such as this one that are designed to equip cancer survivors and their caregivers with the information they need to master their own or help a loved one or patient to achieve optimal health and well-being after cancer. The Survivorships Workshop represent a series for which, as Carolyn noted just now, the number of participants has continued to grow across the years. Indeed, today's call volume is a new record for all of us. Over the years, we've had participants from over two dozen countries around the world on our calls, making our capacity to reach those in search of the information shared truly global. Along with our program partners, we're deeply gratified by this response. And at the same time, we recognize that the popularity of this series is a testament to the fact that for many cancer survivors, even though cancer treatment is over, the cancer experience is not. This last topic in the 2003 part series, uh, 2007 three part series, sorry, finding hope and meaning after treatment, speaks to the fact that cancer's effects are not limited to the individual's physical, emotional, and social self or experience. The diagnosis and treatment for cancer can also cause cancer survivors to reflect on the meaning of their illness. Sometimes referred to as the spiritual or existential impact of cancer, thoughts about why me, why this disease, why has this happened now in my life, and how am I going to or can I make sense of my experience are common thoughts across the course of care. But such thoughts may become a new or sometimes greater focus of attention once treatment ends. Today, you will hear from three outstanding speakers about their personal and professional insights into how survivors view and respond to this important aspect of the cancer recovery and long-term survivorship experience. As always, I'm delighted to be co-hosting this workshop with my esteemed colleague, Carolyn Messner, who's been a wonderful collaborator and true champion for this educational series and to whom I will now return the program.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Rowland, for just really an excellent and a very inspiring introduction to everyone about the program, its purpose, and our goal in doing this program. I, I really want to say that we have just wonderful speakers on our program today, and our speakers actually um, have tremendous information to, to um, tell you about, so I'm going to have them speak very, very shortly. I also want to point out to you that in your, in your materials that you received from Cancer Care, there are some wonderful materials there, and particularly um, I want to point out the Facing Forward series, which is produced by the National Cancer Institute, which is a wonderful um, a series of booklets that you may want to access and by contacting the National Cancer Institute. Now, we have three speakers today, uh, additional speakers to go, and our first speakers today, uh, Susan Lay, is a cancer survivor and a cancer survivorship consultant, and uh, she is actually going to talk about um, her experience in cancer. Um, dealing with, uh, with her uh, survivorship issues, and, in, and how she found hope and meaning after her treatment. I'm now going to turn the program over to Susan.
3: Thank you so much, Carolyn and Julia, and I'm so pleased to be here with everyone today. Uh, this uh, topic has been near and dear to my heart for many, many years, and the way I decided to do it, because I have a very, very sh- few short minutes, is to give you some ideas to how I have coped with uh, my experience and, and found meaning and hope through 35 years of cancer survivorship. So, uh just a, a a brief introduction, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease in in my 20s. I was 24 back in 1972. So, um, a lot of my experience really follows uh the the decades after my initial um, experience. But when I was in my 20s back in the 1970s when we had no cancer care, we had no office of cancer survivorship we had no resources at all because oncology was so new the idea of finding hope and meaning was really a struggle and and the, uh, the despair that I felt back then in my early twenties was not that I was going to die necessarily because my doctor said I wasn't uh, and I believed him but it was really that I was uh, going to lose my fertility my, my uh, opportunity to be able to have children and That actually put me into a major, major funk, and and relationships were affected. Um, I felt like an incomplete package. I felt like damaged goods, Um, and it took a long time for me, with no assistance from the psychosocial community, to really come to grips with that. But the meaning that I found to all of that was that. Even though I couldn't have children myself, I really finally decided I was going to be a great auntie. I would bring children into my life in a different way. But anyway, the meaning that I found was around children in a different way from having my own. Um, and then what I realized, the next major thing, was that I, I really felt very, very, um, very much like a drain on society, a drain on my family and friends because I didn't know how to get back on my feet. I didn't know that recovery was a long, slow process, and I didn't know where to find help. So the best thing that I could possibly do was get back to work, and that's when I decided to become an oncology nurse, uh, when oncology nursing was also a very, very brand-new um, uh, experience for, for nursing. So I went back to work, and all of a sudden I felt like I was needed again, and I felt like I was contributing again. So... That was probably the biggest issue for me um, back in my twenties. I was then diagnosed in my early forties uh, with breast cancer, and I got to tell you the fear that I felt having been an advocate and having been uh, in oncology nursing for many years was uh, was just absolutely gripping. It was an oppressive type of fear. But I did work through that, and what I did do was was find out that that i I needed to get on with this very, very quickly. I needed to ask the right questions and find the right people to help me through that. And one of the reasons, I'd say the major reason that, that I knew how to do this was because in 1986 I was very, very fortunate to be part of the founding of the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship. And that was so impactful for me, and I believe that being involved in a national organization with other people who understood what my continuing fears were, my con- continuing concerns were, that was the tipping point for me to uh, really establish myself within the advocacy community and to make a difference. And my my goal was to make a difference, and I think many survivors feel that uh, once we've recovered physically from our illness, we want to make a difference in some way and, and give back. So I I just really feel that, that we need to um, get involved at some level, whether it's a one-on-one involvement um, with somebody newly diagnosed, whether we work with uh with community groups, get involved with our wellness communities, our guild of clubs, uh Cancer Care, the American Cancer Society, whatever kind of a group we have available, we can then get involved nationally as I do with with uh Julia and the Office of Cancer Survivorship and sit on committees at NCI. And have our consumer voice heard that way, um, and we can get involved legislatively. So there are many, many different ways that we can get involved in order to give back and make uh, try to make sense of this, uh, of this this really uh, traumatizing experience in our life. Um, I guess I, I should I should end now. And what I would like to end with is uh, when it comes to hopefulness, one of the ways that I learned about hope and cancer was from my social worker colleagues and there is a wonderful book that nccs put up called you have the right to be hopeful and what this does is it redefines hope and it tells us that the that hope in cancer and cancer treatment is not just cure of the disease but we've got to look beyond that since many of us are going to be living with other cancers or we're going to be living with recurrences of our disease, or many will be living with cancers or chronic illness for years, so we really have to look at hope in a very, very different way than the old way of looking at hope, which was that you were going to be cured of your disease.
1: I want to thank you very much, uh, Susan, for really uh, really setting the context of today's program and for your words of inspiration and, and the fact that you have been now a survivor for many, many years, so it's very um, helpful to everyone to hear that. So thank you very much. Our next speaker is uh, Keith Felizzi, and uh, Keith is a survivor himself. Um, He is a program director, Office of Cancer Survivorship, Division of Cancer Control and Population Sciences, the National Cancer Institute, and we are delighted to have him with us today. And Keith is going to address an overview of meaning and hope in the context of cancer survivorship why do people search for meaning and hope, and what the research tells us about meaning and making and hope in relation to health outcomes. I'm going to turn the program over to, to Dr. Belize.
4: Thank you, Carolyn, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk with you today about, about finding meaning and hope during the cancer experience. So when I was first asked to participate in this workshop, I, I thought about the different perspectives that I could take to address this topic. Uh, I can speak about this subject as a, a 12-year, two-time cancer survivor. I could also address this issue from a caregiver's perspective, as, as I supported my mother through her recent experience with breast cancer. Or I could wear my professional hat as a researcher and talk about these issue, issues from what we know from the science, along with the potential benefits of finding meaning and hope during the cancer experience. And to some extent, my, my remarks today will be based on the confluence of these three perspectives as they've all really contributed to my understanding of of this topic. So as we all know, having cancer is a very unique and personal experience, and so much variability exists as to how people respond to their disease. For some people, you know, putting the cancer experience behind them and returning to the life they had before cancer is their goal. And we also know that for many cancer survivors, the cancer experience doesn't end with treatment In fact, many cancer survivors tell us that they experience profound changes in their lives as a result of having cancer. These changes can be negative, positive, or a combination of both. It's actually quite common to hear cancer survivors um, say that they view the experience as both negative and positive at the same time. And I think what's important to realize here is that there's really no right way to respond to a diagnosis of cancer. And what I find so encouraging here is that a couple of decades ago, doctors didn't talk about cancer survivorship issues because the survival rates for many cancers were less than desirable. However, with advances in treatment and screening that we've experienced over the past decade or so, there are now an estimated 10.8 million cancer survivors in the United States and 24 million cancer survivors worldwide. As a result, there's been a shift in medicine from focusing solely on curing disease to minimizing treatment toxicity to improve the quality of life of those with cancer, which is very important, particularly because many individuals with cancer can now expect to live long, productive lives. As a result of increases in survival rates for many cancers, more and more individuals are realizing that there is hope for surviving cancer, and they're now faced with figuring out how to integrate this experience into their everyday lives. For some people, they may never want to talk about the experience, and that's perfectly normal. For others, it may be an essential part of who they are today. There's a great quote that I often use in my talks that I give related to this topic. It's it's from an 80-year-old survivor of colon cancer. He says, Being a cancer survivor is at the forefront of my self-awareness. It enters into the conversations that I have with myself about what I want to do, how I want to spend money, how I want to spend my time, my energy, all of that. Being a cancer survivor has added another dimension to my identity. And this is an example of someone who was profoundly affected by his experience. And, of course, not everyone feels this way, but research in this area is telling us that this sentiment is being echoed by many cancer survivors. Understanding the meaning of of the cancer experience can be an important part of the healing process for some people. Finding meaning in the cancer experience is a coping technique that can help people deal with the uncertainty and fear that surrounds the disease. It can help make the cancer experience seem less overwhelming and more controllable. Some people seek to understand why they became ill, and I don't necessarily mean what caused their illness because that's a very complicated question with various levels of genetic, behavioral, and environmental contributors, it's it's, it's important to understand that that cancer can happen to anyone. The the, The disease doesn't discriminate. What I'm referring to here is an attempt to make sense of the cancer experience or better understand how to incorporate the experience into your life now. This search for meaning often takes us beyond our everyday boundaries and requires tools that have not been part of our everyday lives. Being able to explore our feelings, the good and bad, can enhance our understanding of what's happening. When I was being treated for cancer, I would get a great deal of unsolicited advice from people. I cannot begin to tell you how many times people would say to me to stay positive during the course of my treatment. At times, I have to admit, that really annoyed me. I knew these people, including my own family, were well-intentioned. But for me, dealing with cancer was like being on an emotional roller coaster with emotional highs and lows. And I came to the realization that I didn't need to be positive all the time. In fact, it was okay to be down or to have a bad day. I mean, after all, I was in the biggest fight of my life. Having a a realistic appraisal of the cancer experience, I think, can be an important part of the adjustment process. Now, there's some debate over exactly when people begin this process of meaning-making, The research tells us that some people begin questioning the meaning behind their disease within weeks of their diagnosis, but for the majority of individuals with cancer, they begin their search for meaning following treatment after they've gotten through the turmoil associated with this phase of the cancer experience. This allows individuals to be reflective and focus on the future as opposed to the daily trials and tribulations associated with cancer treatment My sense of the research tells me that the timing of this process is as variable and unique as the individuals who are diagnosed with cancer. So what are some of the health outcomes of meaning-making? Finding meaning from your cancer experience can be a positive experience. We often hear cancer survivors say their experience gave them a wake-up call or a second chance at life. Many survivors reflect on areas in their lives where change is needed. People may spend more time with family make positive changes in their health behaviors, place less focus on their careers, or perhaps even consider changing their job. Some people may realize that they have this inner strength that they weren't aware of prior to their cancer experience, or that they now feel that they have new skills to cope with future life crises. We have also found that many cancer survivors report positive changes in their sense of spirituality or religiosity, or have a new appreciation for life. Now, while this may sound strange to some people, uh, many survivors can and do find a silver lining in a seemingly negative experience. And oftentimes, these changes occur as a result of individuals questioning their experience and trying to make sense of it. An important, an important point of caution here is that while we can certainly be encouraged by the fact that, that many cancer, fi- cancer survivors find something positive out of, seem- out of a seemingly negative experience, we need to acknowledge and appreciate the tremendous variability in how people respond to cancer. Finding meaning or positive changes is not a necessary part of the adjustment process. In fact, imposing an expectation that people find something meaningful from their experience could potentially be harmful to individuals with cancer. My belief is that it's important for cancer survivors, family members, and health professionals to be aware of this possibility in case cancer survivors want to explore their feelings further a related topic that survivors express as important to their survivorship experience is the need to feel hopeful about their future now my comments about hope will be quite brief just because of our time constraints but hope in the purest sense is an expectation that an event will turn out for the best for some hope is a feeling that guides you down a dark and frightening path for others Hope is one more chance at curing the disease or simply living life without fear. Hope is defined by the individual and varies with respect to expectations. Hope can come from your faith or from examples of individuals overcoming great odds. There are plenty of uplifting stories and books in the mass media about the human spirit. Talking with others who have had a similar experience can also provide comfort and hope. Hope has been shown to be important among cancer survivors in coping with their disease, having a sense of control over their illness, and psychological adjustment to the illness. Hope hope emphasizes the patient's active engagement in life. Being hopeful is more than an attitude. It's an attempt to use your energy to focus on wellness and what you can do now to stay as healthy as possible. And I think my time is just about up. So with that said, I will turn the program back over to Carolyn. Well,
1: I want to thank you very much, uh, Keith, for an excellent, extraordinary presentation. I want to thank you um, also for giving us so much to think about, um, and, and from the wealth of your experience. So thank you so much. Um, our, our next speaker is Suzanne uh, Lecturer and uh, Suzanne is um, going to, is the director of uh, psychosocial support and research, Brahman Family. Breast Cancer Institute, U.M. Sylvester, Comprehensive Cancer Center. She's Assistant Professor of Psychiatry, Miller School of Medicine, University of Miami. And um, uh, Suzanne is actually um, going to talk about um, how to balance staying realistic and being hopeful, optimistic at the same time, Um, a few thoughts on the tyranny of positive thinking, and she's going to make some concluding recommendations. And I now want to turn the program over to Suzanne.
0: Okay. Well, I'd like to first thank Cancer Care for inviting me to participate in this teleconference today. Um, I'm going to work under the impression that you've all dialed in because you're interested in learning some strategies for finding hope and meaning after cancer. Today, I'll present some ideas for you to think about relating to searching for meaning and maintaining hope. Please keep in mind that no one on this conference call is suggesting that everyone should try to find meaning after cancer. We are not prescribing it for all people affected by cancer. But I'm going to share some tips and some ideas and some strategies today that have worked for other men and women in my clinical psychology practice who are dealing with cancer survivorship issues in the manner of presenting a buffet of ideas from which you can choose. For those of you who want to take a deeper look at some of the issues related to your experience with cancer, I can suggest three exercises today. One way to search for meaning in in any experience, really, is to take an inventory of how your life may have changed since your diagnosis. Have you noticed positive changes? Negative changes? So during the time when you can sit alone and think for a prolonged period of time, consider some of these questions. Think about the area of relationships relationships with your spouse or a romantic partner, your family, your friends, your community? Have your relationships changed? Did you find that people were more or less helpful than you thought they would be? Who was supportive? What relationships do you want to continue to nurture? Are there any toxic people in your life? Maybe you'd want to limit your future contact with them. Another set of questions deals with, how do you feel about yourself now? Are you stronger and more capable of handling challenges? Or do you feel that you felt more vulnerable than ever? Or maybe even some combination of those two. How do you feel about your priorities in life? Have they changed at all? What about your empathy and concern for others? Did you feel yourself embracing any causes? And is that something you might wanna do in the future? Has your lifestyle changed? Are you working on managing your stress, your eating habits, your physical activity, smoking or other unhealthy behaviors? Some people find that having cancer causes them to think about adopting a healthier lifestyle. And perhaps you might wanna also think about your sense of connectedness to other living beings. Do you feel more or less spiritual than you did before? How about participating in religious activities? Do you find comfort there? Now, these are all questions to consider. And often, by taking an inventory of where you are now versus where you were before, some answers will come to you about why you are here and what you're meant to do. Now, another exercise that is helpful in finding meaning and hope after cancer includes a writing exercise. And in this exercise, you'll write about your experience for 10 solid minutes over a few weeks. And you'll find that writing, not typing on the computer, but actually handwriting, um, can provide you with a clarity that you might not have known before. So you would sit down during a quiet moment with a notebook and a pen, and just write down your thoughts and emotions about your experience, from start to finish. You just keep writing Don't edit yourself and keep on writing. Don't worry about your penmanship. Don't worry about whether your ideas are the most profound thing you've ever written or read. And don't worry if it doesn't sound like the world's greatest novel. The point is to write it out. And as I said, it may give you a clarity that you haven't noticed before. Now the third exercise I wanna share with you today is what we call a goal building exercise. And to do this exercise, you would divide a piece of paper into three columns. The first one would be something like overarching goals, and that includes who do I want to be, and what are the things that I want to do during this lifetime? The second column would be something along the lines of short-term strategies to reach these goals. And then the last column could be long-term strategies to reach these goals. And what you would do in this exercise is you would map it out make a plan for how to reach each of these life goals. You can be realistic, but you should also shoot for the stars. You do have the power to change the world. The choices that we make as individuals impact the whole. Each thing that we do has the intention of creating a better world, and it's like a drop in a bucket. With enough individual drops of water, the bucket will eventually overflow and we can contribute to that overflow by simply being good people and working toward our goals in life. That said, I recognize that it is particularly tricky to balance being optimistic, quote-unquote, and realistic, quote-unquote, at the same time. On the one hand, you may want to show a fighting spirit to be optimistic and view having had cancer as a challenge. It's good to believe in the thought, I can beat this. It's empowering, it's energizing, it's motivating. And on the other hand, sometimes you might feel like you can, must deal with the uncertainty that um, you might feel like you want to accept the reality of the situation and, and acknowledge that uncertainty that you feel about your future. And this is okay. These are all normal feelings and these types of feelings can coexist. The brain is really a miraculous thing. It can hold two separate, yet seemingly opposite thoughts simultaneously. And so just allow that to happen without judging. Judging ourselves is where we get into trouble. Instead of judging, you can allow yourself to grieve any loss of your visions of the perfect future life that you may have had, and you're entitled to worry. There is uncertainty in life, whether you're a cancer survivor or not. You've seen your mortality close up. Others may have not, and that's actually their loss. You have a unique perspective. It may not always feel good, but you have a viewpoint, a glimpse into the shadows of our existential reality that not everyone experiences. It's up to you to do something meaningful with your newfound knowledge. Survivors are wiser about the world. They're also entitled to feel hopeful, empowered, and vibrant. Feeling of cancer is no easy thing, and you're doing it. So pat yourself on the back. As as Dr. Belize mentioned earlier, it's important for all of you to know that there is no pressure to be positive all of the time. Over the past few decades, the message that people with cancer or people with a history of cancer have to be positive and optimistic, even when they're feeling sad, angry, and discouraged or other normal emotions, has been really widespread. And basically, this involves denying normal emotions and putting on a happy face for others all the time. And certainly, there's a lot of pressure from people to do this. It's what Dr. Jimmy Holland calls the tyranny of positive thinking. Somehow, everyone got the notion that being positive all the time would lead to longer survival after cancer. But this places so much pressure on survivors. Not only do survivors have to deal with their emotions, but they have to deal with them in secret, And this is such an enormous burden to place on anyone. And in fact, the little research we have on the topic tells us the opposite, that people who are accurate and balanced about expressing their feelings, who allow themselves to express their emotions and don't get stuck in any one particular mood state for too long, are the people who have better outcomes. And so that's what our research shows us, at least at this point in time. Many survivors over the years have told me that they could go bonkers with all the conflicting information that people give them about what they should and should not do to um, enhance their quality of life, to enhance their chances of survival, recurrence, progression, all of these things. And so you won't hear any should statements coming from any of us on this call today. But I want you to know that it's okay and even good to feel whatever you're feeling. Some days you'll feel hopeful, some days you might feel discouraged, and it's Okay just so long as you don't get stuck there. And if you're 100% honest with yourself, you'll know when you're stuck. And then it's time to find a professional to help you get unstuck. So in closing, I'd like to wish each and every one of you the very best as you embark on this very exciting journey of self-discovery and encourage you to allow the process to happen naturally without any judgment. And I think you'll experience some very interesting results. I'd like to turn it back over to Carolyn Messner now.
1: I want to thank you very much, uh, Suzanne, Dr. Messner, for just um, a very calming and a very wonderful presentation and for giving us these wonderful exercises and questions to think about um, in in the journey of survivorship and um, very helpful um, ideas and and thoughts. um, and very interesting for people to kind of think about these questions. I want to thank you. and uh, I want to thank you for being on the call today. And I also want to say that Dr. Leshner actually has an additional title of scientist, and um, that, that um, I just wanted to include that as well. I want to thank all of our participants on the call today for really um, asking such really great questions. You really enhanced our call today. And I also want to thank all of our speakers today, um, really really extraordinary group of speakers on the call today. And um, I want to thank all of you who have been listening and who have participated um, on our call today. Uh, this has been an extraordinary call, and um, I think that this is our fifth annual year of doing this program. and We are hopeful to do another one in the future and actually um, in future years to come. We, as I said, we have our work cut out for us. There's so much more uh, to do in terms of, of this area. And I also want to remind all of you this is a one-hour education program, and in planning a program like this, we recognize that all of you have needs that go far beyond the scope of a one-hour program. Now, this program was done in the context of all the various organizations that came together to make this program possible. And all those organizations are available to each of you um, to use as a resource. Many of you asked questions that we were only able to answer in part. And so please do call all of us after the call for additional information and resources and support. Um, We definitely all offer you a number of different services, um, including just really help in going forth with uh, support groups that we have available, with uh, all kinds of information that we can make available to all of you. So although the call is, is ending soon, we don't want anyone on the call to feel that you're alone. We don't want you to feel that you're alone in coping with uh, your um, survivorship issues. We want you to know that you're part of a community of support that you can access at any time. Um, You can call us on the telephone, you can visit our websites, and you can um, email us as well. We are available to you really um, as a a support to all of you. So again, I want to thank you all for participating today, and I also want to remind everyone to please send back to us um, your evaluations, your comments about today's program your recommendations for the programs that we do in the future, for next year's program as we plan that, as we start to plan those programs. We definitely would like to hear your, your recommendations for topics you'd like us to do. Many of you, you raised issues today that could easily become the topics of a whole workshop in the future. Uh, so all of us who planned this meeting today, we really are wanting to do more of these programs for all of you. So I want to thank you all for participating today, and I want to thank you all and wish you all a very fine day.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude conclude today's program. You may all just connect and have a
3: wonderful day.